you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, fanboys, fangirls. This is CarCast 2015. I need Rick to put in background music in post-production here. Oh, yeah, I was, was going to start singing. Okay. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, bah, bah. <laughs> Try something like Fury Road-ish. You know? <laughs> and uh, Car's got uh, yeah, flames coming out of his former glasses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we are sitting down with Car D'Angelo, the owner and entrepreneur of uh, Earth 2 Comics in Sherman Oaks and Earth 2 Comics Northridge in, by the way, that's in the title, Northridge, California. Uh, and uh, formerly, as I will never uh, will never go away now, realizing that uh, listen to that screenwriting podcast where they called you the comic book guy. The comic book guy. Uh, in Hollywood in the 90s, so... I'm looking at this thing. This is like a tricorder that, you're, that you've got. You are not the first to observe that. Oh. No, I mean, I mean, seriously, at Comic-Con, the producers of Teen Titans Go said the exact same thing. Somebody had a little slim one. Right. They said mine was the fool, both medical records and I could uh, tase and or uh, kill <laughs> yes. people, with, disintegrate people with this device. This there is there the, does uh, seem to be a tasing element attached to that. It's really just picking up our voices, I swear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, let us, here, we'll even put it in the middle so that no one will feel threatened. Wow. I can't do it. Wait, is it uh, so? Yes. All right. So, um... Yes, it's dark. So, we are here in uh, Carr's office uh, to have our annual conversation post, right? This is your office, right? Yes. It's, it's very, yes. Uh, and we are... I like to think of it as our office. And our office, thank you. Uh, don't <laughs> if say If you're that. here and I'm here. I, I know. <laughs> Be careful. I am sort of like, a, like an unwanted spirit. You invited me <laughs> in. All right, I'm here. Um, that's good. You know, if, if it ever converts, there it is. Um, so, we're here for our annual post-comic conversation. This is like uh, eight years running? Nine years? It's been a long... More or less. I mean, did we start... Not that I want to drop every time that I won an Eisner Award, but did we start this before I won the Eisner Award? I think we We started the year before you won the Eisner. That would have been I, 2006. I, I 2006. So then we're so, looking at like... Uh, this could be this our 10th... This, this is 9. This is 9. We started in 2006. Six, seven, eight, nine, Next year will be the 10th 11, anniversary. 12, 13, 14, 15. But this is the 10th one. But the next year would be the 10th anniversary. Well, okay. Yeah, okay. all right. So... Yeah. Next year, well, next year we'll have to do this really special. We'll have a, oh, we'll, we'll have a party, you know, yeah. a clown in the corner of the office. Bring that guest, guest stars. Sure. That would be, um, you have a co-owner that would be lovely to sit in. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, for the 10th anniversary. Isn't, wouldn't that be worth it to sit here and drink coffee? Absolutely. It's a Seinfeld did it first, but it's <laughs> Seinfeld. So, uh, <laughs> comics guys in cars getting coffee. And, at cars. At Maybe cars. There's something and there. Yeah. Well, we've got we'll it. figure okay. it out later. Longest introduction in car cast history as we talk. Um, <clears throat> so, let's get down to it. We are uh, a, 
a few days after Comic-Con. And this year, so we just we brought up, you had won the Spirit of Retailing Excellence Award. Or I, can't I think you added it. excellence. I added that, excellence? That's not, I think it's the Will Eisner Spirit of Retailer Award. Okay. there's. I, I thought there was a couple of extra words added in this year, and it wasn't me calling it excellence. But anyway, but this year you were actually an Eisner judge. It was it was amazing. A great experience. So yes, let's talk about what, what that is, because I'm sure we have commented on the podcast a few times but when the Eisners come up of, of, of how we've noticed, especially in recent years, there are a lot of books mainstream readers have never even heard of that get nominated. Uh, Marvel and DC tend to get nominations now based on their kind of more out there work. They're, as you say, critically acclaimed, um, more challenging pieces, and it's not so much the, you look at those Eisner Awards and go, yes, that's going that's going to be a $500 million movie. So um, what what is it? Because I know you had a panel about it. We did have a panel. That uh, what is it that you do as a Eisner judge besides judge? That uh, you know what what is that? What are the critical faculties needed? What are the criteria? It, it's a, it's a great process, and we uh, Maggie Thompson, who was the former editor of uh, Comics Buyer's Guide, was our um, has a spotlight panel every year, and she was a judge with me on the Eisner panel. Uh, so she wanted to devote her spotlight panel on Maggie Thompson to the judges of the Eisners to discuss. So we discussed some of these things at a panel on Thursday morning. Um, and I was so excited because it's like 10 a.m. Oh, my gosh, no one's going to be at this panel. There were people at the panel for the next panel. <laughs> you know, like all these people were coming in in like anime costumes. I'm like, they're not here for us. No but, but there was but there were a lot of people who were, who were there for the panel. So it, it was very cool. But the process is it's sort of twofold. Um, and, and the and, and the woman who supervises the Eisner Awards and the Eisner judging and you know puts produces the show is Jackie Estrada, uh, who has been with Comic Con. I mean, basically, I think since year two of the convention. So she is the you know she's like Comic Con personified and uh, has a great book out, uh, Comic Book People one and two of all the photographs mm-hmm. she's taken at conventions over the years. Yeah. Uh, so Jackie's terrific, and I've known her a long time. And last year she invited me to be part of this, and the process for judging is twofold. One is Jackie doing a lot of prep in advance while before we get to the week that we spend judging, um, sort of collecting a lot of different things like, you know, 10 best lists, you know, the best of the year lists mm-hmm. and all those things. So we kind of have a, a, um, a basis for looking at all the material because all the publishers submit tons and tons of materials. We get all these lists. Here's what... For second, here's what DC submitted, here's what Marvel, Image, everybody. And it's just, you know, um, packages and packages and packages. And then, you know, we pass around books, we ship books how, to each other. How many judges are there? Is it uh, there's, five? Uh, there were one, two, three, four, five, six of us. Uh, myself, um, uh, Richie Graham and Susan Kirtley, who are both from the world of academia. Uh, Maggie Thompson, that's four... Uh, Ron, uh, well, he goes by Ron Kirby, uh, who is sort of a super fan. He's been a volunteer uh, for San Diego since he was 17, so he sort of represents the, you know, the the you know the the the, the fans of Comic Con. I'm representing the retailer perspective. We have the academic perspective, um, and and Sean Howe, who wrote one of my favorite books of the last several years, Marvel, Marvel the Untold, Untold Story. Story. And Sean couldn't be with us in person because uh, he was not able to travel, but he was there on Skype. So one of the pictures that we, that group picture actually has us holding 
uh, Sean on a uh, on a laptop, you know, with his with with his yeah. face there. So it's a uh, so there there were there were six judges, and basically there's a room at the Hilton, like a conference room. That we, after we check into our hotels, you go in and it's filled with books, and it's like a Twilight Zone episode because on one hand it's like. Oh my gosh, you know, you're like, Burgess Meredith, time enough at last. I've got all these comic books, every comic book that was published, or graphic novel, or book about comics that was published in the year 2014 is in this room and I get to read it. And I've got And a security two days. guard breaks your glasses, right? And then, then my glasses <laughs> break, yes. No, uh, when, when is this? We did that in April. Public? In April, okay. So we went down, I think we started on a... Wednesday or maybe Thursday was it thir- it's like a Thursday through Sunday so it's like four days of really intense um, review like I say you come prepared um, you know we divide up certain types of work you know where again the people who have the academic background are maybe taking a stronger look at some of the things that are you know like the kids books and things that are more library based and also there is a category for best academic work um, mm-hmm. you know and and and, and you know, because I'm the comic book store guy, I probably, you know, gave more um, overview. You know, I came in with, say, an overview of the periodical world because I'm the guy who is seeing all the comics every week. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that everybody else wasn't reading, but still, you know, you know, again, just in terms of specialties or, you know, overview type of discussions of what should we be looking at from Marvel or DC or Image, you know, in terms of, on, you know, ongoing series type of things. Um, and, you know, so you come in with some of those things prepared. And again, and in the categories of graphic novels and stuff, I think that's where we all try to do a lot of pre-reading because, like I say, some of the uh, the critical lists give you kind of a pointers as to what to, you know, what to look at. Not to say that if something didn't make a top ten list, we didn't consider mm-hmm. it, but it just was a, it's a roadmap for starting. Yeah. And, and then you then you just, you know, you spend a couple days... Kind of reading and whittling, um, you know, it's a, a bit like, you, you know, uh, is it in the agony and the ecstasy, you know, that description of Michelangelo, how he sculpts is, he takes the block of marble and just removes all the pieces that are in the sculpture, you know, and the first thing you're kind of doing is, you know, and I know people hate to hear this, but you're just kind of going, this this isn't top five, you know, and you, you know, mm-hmm. so you're, you've got this massive stuff and you can make some... Judgments, and I'm, I try really hard to talk about this without naming particular books because that's the last thing I need is that one person going, "How dare you say my book is not?" You know, but it was number six. It came in number six. All of it. <laughs> All yeah. of it came in. Uh, it was so close. Um, you know, but there are you know, but again, you know, especially in terms of series, or especially in terms of things that are you know original or certain things that you sort of go, it, it's just not the you know, or you look at things. Where there are similar types of things, like like the artist editions, they're they're mm-hmm. all great. I mean, every artist edition that IDW or you know you know Dark Horse did, you know has done a couple, and DC's now doing them with graffiti. These books are all great. I mean, no one can say. I mean, there's not a bad book in the bunch, but you're not you know. But in terms of the, but you're sort but they're kind of competing then against each other, and you go, yeah, but the Starenko one, it's gigantic, and you can read it, then you can. Kill somebody with it, you know, and like that. that I think those Which are. The I two. think gives Thrago comfort <laughs> at night. Exactly, <laughs> but you know, I mean, but but it's sort of like you're not going to not necessarily. You know, I'm not saying this is even the kind of thinking, but you're sort of looking at all these different things, and 
you just have to separate. Well, this is the best one of that type of thing. So that so that's probably where the votes are going to go. Mm-hmm. And then, and so that's April wraps up, and then you just sit tight, not knowing. Oh well, you we do the not well. Do we pick what well, we do? Yeah, I mean we whittle it down, and we whittle it down to five or six nominations in every category. So just, yeah. you know, and by voting, you know, so like we. You know, you know, right, so that's I guess we get in there is you are you as judges were responsible for the nominations as well. The nominations, and then the voting is open, like sort of like the Academy Awards or anything like mm-hmm. that, is open to the profession. So there, you know, there is a list that's maintained. You know, retailers, creators. You know, you only have to sort of produce your, you know, your bona fides to you know Jackie and you know whoever else to get access to the. Um, I don't know if press is. No, but I have voted because of Greatest American Hero. Oh, because Hero of the great, because of the writing. Because yeah, of the yeah, writing. Exactly. So I, I didn't get to this year. But, yeah, uh, but it, I, I mean, but I think yeah, I mean, it's, it's very open to the you know to to you know to, you know if you're a professional, you know, creative professional, editorial, you know, I think you know it's not you know it, it, yeah. it's 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 an open source thing, right? And, um, I, and I agree, by the way, that it shouldn't be press. We're you know because we're we're fans first, you know. And, I don't think anybody's gone into comics journalism that wasn't a huge... Well, I think it's also partially... I think it's also the idea, maybe, because you're already the critic. You already have right. your and, and shot at the... We've you know, probably created a lot of those top ten lists. Right, When exactly. I say we, not me, because I always forget. And then <laughs> December 31st, I go, I don't know what I read this year. I just loved it. Yeah, I, I just... I, um, and I didn't... Except I that chose, book that was number six. I don't know what it right. was, but you know. It's, and I chose not to vote this year because I sort of felt like I had my... I had my say, and I sort of felt like, well, if I'm going in and, you know, lopsiding, you know, I I feel like I'm getting an extra vote, like, okay, but I'm really voting for this. Right. But I'm very comfortable, and what you see, you know, it's funny, I was having this argument with a a retailer friend of mine who kind of said, oh, they never, you know, so few DC and Marvel nominations, and, you know, you know, these books won, and they're not really, and I'm like, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective, you can't look at any, I mean, and what award... Show or what awards presentation is based on, you know, uh, you know commercial shows. success. I mean, this has been the argument with the Oscar show. Avengers is never going to win, you know, an Oscar. Star Wars isn't going to win an Oscar, except, said, except for special effects. Right, right. but I, I argue back there. Heath Ledger, you know, that was posthumous, and maybe part of that was. But you know, The Dark Knight got an Oscar for best supporting actor. Uh, Return of the King got best picture. Right, these things happen. I like they that. Do. I like that the Eisners have have in the past few years tended to be more obscure uh, as far as popularity. In but that, it of, yeah. turns me to books that I might not have ever encountered if I didn't see them on that list. And part of that is is the design of the categories. The other thing you have to look at is there's really only about. I mean, there's like thirty categories. Yeah. But there's less than ten that are really eligible for. The, the, the mainstream comics. I mean, and those are going to be, you know, writer, artist, limited series, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ongoing series, new series. Maybe one shot. And one shot. I mean, no, no, but those kinds of things, you know, best short story or best one shot. And, and those do collect a lot of nominations. I mean, we had, I mean, Astro City was in there, 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 there twice. You have know, things like Ms. Marvel, Thor, um, the, the the great Max Landis and Jock Joker Superman story from Adventures. Uh, oh yeah, Superman. I, I haven't actually read that. So, I, mean, I mean, you know, talk about like a meta textual, and apparently he's going to do some more stories in that in, in that vein. But there are things in there. But when you're opening it up to the to the populace and a lot of creators, is it going to tend to lean toward 
more, you know, less of the the you know main quote unquote mainstream stuff. But most of the cat the categories are you know best uh, reprint of a foreign you know a, a foreign material. Well, DC and Marvel and Image are just. Or Dark Horse are just not in that game. Maybe Dark Horse is with Black Sad or something, but for the most part, they're not in that game. And they most tried. they try, and they're not. They try, and even archival. You know, yes, the Nick, the you know the the Steranko, you know thing gets nominated, but you know the the you know an issue an edition of Marvel Masterworks is you know is kind of boilerplate at this point and isn't really going to you know uh, you know rise to say the work that's done to. You know, collect every like Tashin did with every little Nemo. Um, you know, of course, anything with Nemo in the title apparently won this year. That, no, was, <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> so my suggestion is someone should do a crossover with Little Nemo, yes, Captain Nemo, and Finding Nemo. And Finding Nemo, and yeah. that that that's like Eisner Gold right there. Mm-hmm. Little Captain Finding, Finding <laughs> Little Captain, Finding Little Captain, but Finding Little Captain Nemo. Yeah, there yeah, you go. That'll be good. Uh, so that, that'll, that'll, uh, wait, I gotta. Call an agent. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, you know, let, let's put that aside, though. I, you know, because this also means really can't fairly ask you like what was your best book of the uh, of the year. But we can talk about your convention experience. You had that panel Thursday. You got to retailer breakfast. You were yes. wandering around somewhat. Uh, I definitely felt this year the strange thing of of it just didn't quite feel as crowded, and I think it was just because it was. Diffused by yes. so much going on all over the place that any one place was just not as crowded as, as it had been in years The past. floor felt more open, and I, I think that's right. I think, again, a lot of the other um, events that you don't even really need badges for, you know, there's people who waited online to see Conan. You know, so that took X number of people. Every time, every time we go out into San Diego, into town... Uh, Susan and I, we'd see lines, and we'd go, "Oh, that's that, that's like 500 people off the floor," mm-hmm. because we've 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 we figured out a way to keep those 500 people off the floor. They're waiting for some other right. related event. Um, but there's so much going on. I don't even think you need it. I think I've said this before, but more this year more than ever, I think you could go down and keep yourself occupied, even if you didn't have. Well, yeah, there was the band. Banff Music Festival, yes, uh, big ass music festival, and I went down there for the DJ dance party. Uh, there, I think they charged like five dollars if you weren't a con goer, um, but it was still. I mean, there was an outdoor music festival with Curry right. Crackle, the Double Clicks, yep. librarians, a bunch of, as you say, nerd rock bands. Uh, so that was open to the public. Uh, the uh, this year, the Walking Dead Escape was essentially they just out and out said they were Walker Stalker Con associated right. with you know, so it's a separate thing. Uh, Nerd HQ again. I mean, mm-hmm. all over the place. There were places, things I never even got to. This is, sorry listeners, you know, as much as I'm into Disney Infinity, this is the first year I've not even made it, because their pop-up shop was so far out there that I never got got to them until the you know, morning I was checking out. The guy next to me at the counter was from Disney Infinity, and I said, oh, what do you have there? <laughs> and he wouldn't show me. Right. So, uh, but... but uh, you know that's the, that's the Star Wars for people that haven't caught up. The Disney Infinity 3.0 will be the Star Wars stuff. But I did get to the Lego, which was hard rock, right? But uh, you know, not only that, Rick and I. Does have, someone have? Is there a online guide? Is anybody doing like a a oh, non-convention planner? Plenty, plenty. 
Um, I think even Comic-Con allowed on their app there was room to choose things that weren't. Because I don't think anybody can show up there without their tacit approval. Right. You know, I mean, there's some kind of alliance, but not... Well, I think with the, with the city, I mean, obviously people need permits and stuff, and so they are working with the Right, the, and, the and city no one wants to anger Comic-Con either. Right. But uh, Rick and I were talking, I think, a, co- a couple weeks ago on the podcast about how... And you you must remember this, too. When Ke- when Jay Leno used to send Kevin Smith down to, uh, to do little remote things yeah. from Comic-Con, it was the usual... Uh, mo- you know, in a way, mockery of of what Comic Con is. It's everybody in costumes. It's silly stunts. It's blah blah blah. Right. And the fact that that you fly into San Diego and the baggage claim is Conan and his four Funko Pop vinyl uh, bobblehead things, um, and that Conan's doing four uh, Conan O'Brien doing four shows from there. That you can talk about for the Eisners. That there's two people from academia. That there's a serious branch of academia yes. now in comic studies. Forgetting, uh, you know, the pe- people that, uh, which I, I like blowing people's minds with, that, that it wasn't until the comic strip Crazy Cat that the world took American literature seriously. Hmm. Because the French endorsed that and said, this is it. And that's right, why, right. why it gets called the Ninth Art. Because the French decided that American comics were the Ninth Art. And, you know, so it, it I mean, that's all that has been looked down on for so long. I, I've seen people, by the way, it, I've got a you have Stanley defense mechanisms too. Um, <laughs> that have been Excelsior. Excelsior have been angry about how you know Stan doesn't deserve the credit he gets because of blah 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 blah. And, oh, and I read somebody complaining that Stan uh, didn't even um, have the courage to use his real name writing. And, it, and to me, that was someone who did not, who truly doesn't understand. We live in this time where. Everybody's trying to get into Comic Con, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there were people in line. I can't, I can't remember what I ever heard. There was a conversation that hurt my soul in line behind me. Like, how did you get in here uh, with <laughs> with this lack of uh, of knowledge? Like standing in line, I think for BBC about something, and and, and um, but forgetting that, like you know, the reason Stanley is Stanley and not Stanley Lieber is because Stanley Martin Lieber. Stanley Martin Lieber was his going to be his novelist name. Yeah. Because comics, you know, I believe him when he tells the story that he'd go to a cocktail party, say what he did in the 50s, and people walked away from it. Right. Turned their back. Right. You know, so our acceptance is greater than ever. Well, because it's also, you have to remember, it was also, I work for my uncle's comic book company. Yeah. (laughs) That was part of the story, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Not only are I mean, and again, I mean, Stan, I think, has proven himself. But you have to sort of go. Not only are you, not only are you a guy who works for a comic book company. You're a guy working for a comic book company on nepotism. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's sort of like, well, you know, you're, 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 you're really don't got a lot going on. If that, if that, that, that's the job you needed nepotism to get. You know. Well, he got it at seventeen and never left. Right. It, you know? Hey, you know, it, like I say, I, I, I love Stan. That's not it, I'm just sort of thinking in term, but in terms of the context of the right. time. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then he gets to go to a panel where you know he's, he's the top stars in the world playing his characters. It's it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And uh, just so we we could mention Except this year, the top uh, what weren't there like no pa- there was no panel with the top stars playing his characters. The, uh, no, the, but Fox still had one. They had oh. a, they did Deadpool 
Interestingly enough, so we no, can... no, so but the five characters, no Stanley characters. Let's just be clear because those. If you're no, talking... there were X Men. Oh, there were well, X Men. There, there was like an old. Oh, well, Jean Grey, I guess technically yes, is a character. You're right. That, that you're right. Like none of them were, but he was still on that panel because yeah. they did that huge selfie with him. And you know the the nice guy of Con Award goes to Channing Tatum, and it's now I, I it's going to be interesting to see how infamous this picture becomes. There's this big selfie with. Ryan Reynolds yeah. and everybody, all these X Men and Deadpool and no Fantastic Four, the movie that's actually opening in right. four weeks. Nothing. Nobody talked about Fantastic Four at all. But uh, they had this big selfie, and Stanley is in, in the front and is like, oh, that's great, you know. Um, and then there's a follow up photo of all the stars congratulating each other, and Channing Tatum is helping Stan off the stage because apparently Stan was very wobbly as you might imagine at 93 yes. or 94 and so Channing's quietly the hero of Comic Con for being the only one of them to notice there's an old man here and right. we're not uh, you were saying at dinner about yeah. Hugh Jackman saying about Len Wein yeah. all this is because of him it's like all this is because of him yeah, exactly. and taking care of Stan so I give props to uh, Channing Tatum who this year has done two things to make me love him which was the first one saying that going on Howard Stern admitting that he too believed that G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, was a piece of crap. Uh, well, that's, <laughs> that's not what he said. Uh, so Hey, but, you know, look, I mean, I know it was, it was my dream, you know, when I was 12 years old, you know, to grow up in a world where there would be, you know, four Fantastic Four movies that I would, you know, could hate equally. You know, yeah, that, right. that, that I couldn't enjoy a single one of them. That is an I mean, that, that, was, that was a childhood dream, you know. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't imagine that would ever actually come to pass. Okay, there would be four lackluster Fantastic do you, do you Four re- movies. Which, which movie, was, uh, you know, because I can remember uh, going to see the first, that would say the first Daredevil. The fact that there's a movie and a TV series. Of Daredevil. Of Daredevil. But to say, I can remember walking out of out of Daredevil, the screen press screening, and Michael Goodson who co-founded Fanboy Planet with me way back when and went out you know, for a box of hero clicks, sold out. Uh, but he looked at me afterward at the screening and said, it's really good that comic movies are just so popular so one can be bad like this. Right. And it's not going to kill the genre the way that if, you know, Batman Forever, seen, or Batman and Robin kind of felt like it had killed it for a couple of sure. years. Um well, because well, also the studio executives are also looking for, especially the ones who missed the trend, are always looking for a reason to go. Oh, it's over now, so I can I can ignore it. But yes, now I think it's it's reached a point where it's not. You, you, are, are we secure now? I think we're secure. <laughs> I think we're secure. If we got an Ant Man movie, we're secure. You know? which I uh, yeah, I'm hearing. I'm hearing great things. I'm, so. I'm hearing great things, and you know, again, and I think it, it goes to show. You know, there are no bad characters. I'm not saying Ant-Man's a bad character. I'm saying, but it's you just have to find the right tone well, and, and, and the thing with the movies is it also only has to be, you know, Ant-Man might be a joke because there were how many great Ant-Man stories? Twelve. All right. So <laughs> I go to you. I defer to you on this. So there's a say, well, there's Tales to Astonish number. Well, I mean, there are twelve. I'll say there are twelve great Ant Man stories. Really, the movies only have to have one. That's true. You know, and that and because I don't know that we're going to see Ant Man two. Although on Monday I stopped by California Adventure, where they're showing Ant Man in the It's Tough to Be a Bug Theater oh. in Bugsland. Yeah, and I just went never take this away. Right. You know, it's a 4D experience where. Right. Paul Rudd even introduces it and says, Hi, this is Scott Lang. I found this suit. Sit tight while I try to test it out. 
you know, bear with me. And so they show a sequence of him, of him learning how to use the suit. It's clearly from the movie, right? But it fits so perfectly with what he was saying. Right. And you're in this subterranean anthill, and you know, and they've got his suit in the cor- the actual movie suit in the corner, and like. Oh please, never bring back. It's tough to be a bug. Right, uh, <laughs> just right, right. Show Ant Man forever in here, and then maybe Ant Man Two if it's that good. But um, yeah, we 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 would achieve that amazing time. What was your? Uh, you know, we, we talked about that that panel. The big panel there also was Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. So right. I assume at this point, my favorite favorite post con reaction was the difference between what Marvel does when someone leaks a trailer. Versus what Warner Brothers does when someone leaks a trailer. Because when the Age of Ultron trailer leaked, Marvel released it with a tweet that said, Damn it, Hydra. And (laughs) and Warner Brothers releases a paragraph-long legal statement of, Despite our best efforts of keeping these trailers under wraps, and specifically for, we are begrudgingly releasing the high-def version of the Suicide Squad trailer. And so, I, I how, how do you feel about those leaks? As a retailer, as a as a former studio person, I mean, are they leaks? I don't. I'm at this level of cynicism where I don't trust any anything that involves promotion. I can't. Well, trust. the Comic Con leaks, I can say this: are it was very clearly someone filming because it's also well, yes, well, no one, well, people aren't supposed to do that, but but they unless. You know, unless they really, you know, put a damper, you know, some sort of electronic drainer in the uh, in the hall, someone's pulling out their phone and yeah, and, 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 and yeah, and, and it's like when you only see half the screen. And it, you can it was tell the Jerry Seinfeld version. Yes, I hate those, <laughs> and, I, and I saw people posting, and I didn't watch any of them because no, and isn't so is it, so yes, so the blackmail is they don't want that getting reproduced endlessly, but at the same time, aren't. Aren't they trying? If they have the footage and it's a trailer and they're trying to promote promote their movie, once it's out, why isn't it? That's like we're going to tell everybody in Hall H who the actor is playing Jay Garrick, but don't tell anybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's the same thing. Which Warner Brothers did not do. They 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 released that out to everybody. Right. No, but I'm saying, but, right but, as soon as but news. Again. They understand when news is expressed, it's going to travel. If you're showing images, you know, there's there. With thousands of people, it's hard to control it. I think you have to have the expectation that the moment you're you're playing it, you want to be releasing the version. Now, I think maybe, and this is me second guessing, Warner's because of their relationship with things like Entertainment Weekly, blah blah blah, also want to may may have another level or step or two to get it ready to launch because they don't maybe they want it to launch the next day or something like that. Right, but. You know where they're trying to stack a bunch. They of held off stories. a couple of days on the on the Suicide Squad trailer. But you're right; they should have. They but they they could have done it with more finesse or sense of humor. You know, just make it more fun for people because you know that's what's missing from the DC from movies is fun. <laughs> have yeah, some and fun. did you watch those trailers? The, I, I did. Didn't, you watch Batman v Superman. I watched Batman v Superman, which I was glad to find out is not about a small claims lawsuit between Batman and Superman, which the title originally led me to believe. I really thought it was, you know, some, you know, Wayne, you know, the Fortress of Solitude being over the property line of Wayne Manor. But I'm glad it's not that. Um, Although I really would like to at least read that as a digital online story. Someone actually, you know, I, I've been joking about that for for a year now, and then someone actually did that as a uh, as a as a sketch on on uh, I think on, on was it on Conan? I think Conan did it last week. Oh, I haven't watched it. Um, so, uh, but but I mean, but in a way though, it is because it 
I mean, this isn't a spoiler. We've all, if you're listening to this, I hope I hope you don't listen to Fanboy Planet, but not spoil, not watch the trailers. It's like which it should we, all be part of the experience. Which, by the way, yeah, it's on Fanboy Planet. It's on Fanboy so you Planet. Can, I yeah. think that's where I saw it. So, uh, but you know, but in a way, it is because Bruce Wayne is pissed that Superman destroyed his building and the the people therein. I mean, it's an it's an interesting thing. I just I'm you know it it got me emotionally. I, I I would probably compare the Batman v Superman trailer to the Watchmen trailer in that it just had some images that somehow really like got to me. And this is my fear. It, Zack Snyder is fantastic at putting a trailer together. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he's I, I I get very angry with people that think the man has no talent. Right. I just I don't necessarily like the way he adds up those images. He's differently talented. He's. Just, <laughs> No, I, well, all right. Um, you know, I, I'm always willing. I mean, it's like you know when you when you went back and saw maybe 300 for the first time, which I think is an awesomely stupid movie because I don't really even like Frank Miller's original. So I was like, right. well, if I'm not a big fan of this, but that it's so magnificently over the top, it's so fun to mock. But on the other hand, his imagery is amazing yes. on that film. Watchmen too. It suffers the sin of being is Watchmen too. No, they. Oh. No, there was <laughs> when we wrote it. Uh, yeah, or there was before Watchmen. Right. Sorry, uh, it's Watchmen, Watchmen Zero. It's Watchmen point five. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's Rorschach and Guildenstern are dead, and uh, it uh, the, 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 uh, the trailer for Watchmen, the movie of Watchmen, suffers from almost being too uh, too slavish yeah. to the original. Agreed. So it's sort of like you know, it's a guy who clearly has. My problem with Batman v Superman, uh, aside from that imagery, is that the images are very much taken from a story we haven't earned yet, which would be The Dark Knight Returns. Well, and that's and a, The Dark Knight Strikes Again. And, there are and, things right out of there. And my, my criticism of most comic book movies, and I think the Avengers actually, the Avengers and the Marvel movies by overlapping have done a good job of pacing it out. But but the second Spider Man series, the Amazing Spider Man series, yeah. that's what it's called. Totally did what you said because story that took ten years to earn in the comics, which is Peter Parker being a nerd, Peter Parker finding love, Peter Parker and Gwen State, you know Gwen Stacy. Spoiler alert: Gwen Stacy gets killed by the the Green Goblin. That took that was a ten year story arc. I mean, you know, from nineteen sixty two to nineteen seventy two. The movie goes. We want it in the second movie. It's like, but as you, but as you say, it hasn't been earned. As how can you take the future story of the Dark Knight Returns and make it the first time Superman and Batman meet? I mean, yeah, I, 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 I yeah. feel like that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, it is. There's no emotional heft to yeah. what makes it work in the Dark Knight right. Returns. Is they were friends, right? They had been friends for decades, right? Uh, and I'm, and and in terms of, and although I. You got to try real hard, especially with Gotham and things like this, like to not <clears throat> get stuck figuring it out continuity-wise. But but again, Gotham will kill you if you try to yes. if you try to figure it out but continuity-wise. Ben Affleck, who I thought looked great, I thought oh I, I, I got no problem with Ben and Affleck. I, the, the, as I thought the performance was great, but and, but I'm looking at he's okay, he's older, he's got the I mean he's looking like he's yeah. looking more like Batman Beyond. He's looking like he's about to pick up the phone and call Terry McGinnis, you know, yeah. and not that old. But, but you've got they're playing old Batman, and all I kept thinking is, and where are all his Batman movies? 
Because if they're trying to tell me that this is a continuate, because I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to buy that this is a continue that that Man of Steel showed up in in the world in the in the Christopher um, Nolan Nolan world, even though I know Nolan has like producing. But they are separate. That's, that's but they it. are separate. So now I'm going. Well, when am I going to get? Where, so where's the, the the? So I've got too many Batman backstories to, to keep straight in my head. Is really you know. Well, and that's the thing. So if you watched when they did release the Suicide Squad trailer, I had not yet picked it up for right. And is that Batman Joker Batman. Batman's yes. Joker from? Because here's so Suicide Squad takes place in the same world as as Man of Steel. As Man of Steel. Yes. And they try to give. There's a line of dialogue at the beginning that says like I don't know if it's that Krypton if that Superman came out. And brought them out of the woodwork. They have powers, and they're all locked up, and you're, you're safe. But what I felt was that whole trailer is selling what is the least important aspect of Suicide Squad, which is the connection to Joker and Batman. Right. Because there's a quick shot, and we know that it is is Ben Affleck because he was spotted on set as Bruce Wayne. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's also a shot of a guy dressed like Batman, isn't there? Yeah. No, yeah. there's a quick shot of of him. Fighting the Joker's right. uh, Joker stealing a car. Yeah, and uh, as one of my friends said, it's like the the set with the worst security in the world clearly has to be Suicide Squad because things were photos were leaking out left and right mm-hmm. and footage. But uh, and then you have the Jared Leto, and it's all a setup for as we if you want to saw the Batman v Superman, either one of two things have happened. I've had a lot of debates online about this that either the Joker has broken into the Batcave. With these notes that say, you let everyone die, you let your family die. Right. Or that's Dick Grayson, who is the crazy Dick Grayson from Dark Knight Strikes Again. Because that image is right out of that. The, you You're know, hurting my head. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> they, but but, there, but there that's the thing, we shouldn't, I mean, I don't mind them borrowing images from the comics, but when they're too evocative and they're trying to make us, like... Make sense of, but they're putting it into different story context. That's sort of the thing. Like, well, right. that armor is super cool. Yes, this was Batman's last resort for the future Batman's last resort for going up against yeah. Superman. But yeah. good thing he has it ready now when he didn't even know Superman existed. Well, there's, the even, a, there's even a shot. It looks like it's Henry Cavill's bearded and tied up, and there's the bat has been seared into his flesh. Yeah. And I'm just looking and thinking, that's just not. And amongst my friends, the hardcore Superman fans, and Business Insider just ran an article of what they miss about Superman. The moment of Diane Lane is Martha saying, you don't owe this world a thing. Like, what bizarro Martha Kent are you? <laughs> Maybe. This is, I, I mean, look, I, like I say, I'm, I'm, I, I, was not a, I was not a Man of Steel fan, and I felt Man of Steel was sort of bizarro Superman morality. You know, I mean, yeah. my movie Superman is, is Christopher Reeve and he sends a check to his mother you know every yeah. every month and in all of that and yeah you know and that the whole there's some I mean we could spend two hours talking about Man of Steel but it's it, 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 it's interesting obviously I want a Justice League movie I, obviously I want all the next steps to happen and it does seem you know but when you start with dark Superman you're, you're you know it, it's, it's like your focal point it's 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 it, 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 they're they're revolving around this 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 concept that was created in this movie yeah. that some people love and I feel purists I, like myself I I don't actually know anybody that loves it that's my that, that I, I know a few that, okay good they I because I flip side 
I, I, there have been many movies that have been controversial that I know, I, I hear the other point of view. Mm-hmm. I've never, maybe it's my, my circle of Facebook friends, other people don't care at all. There's, right. that, I, there's a strange contingency out there, right, people right. that don't feel that the adaptation of Superman is life or death, uh, or, or you know that everybody piles on it, and I'm the one, I find myself trying to find a reason. Like I said, Zach's under mine there. Um, there was a Deadpool trailer that came out, and I haven't watched that because it hasn't been officially released, right. so I've stayed, stayed out of there, but... Very yeah, I would like. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I don't chase down like the you know the the yeah yeah the, the version. The, and I, I still think the the win, the big winner of, of the weekend remains what we, we anticipated: television, both on Marvel mm-hmm. with <laughs> with uh, Agents of Shield and uh, Agent Carter having a du- <laughs> lip syncing competition. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, yes. Uh, so they were doing that all weekend from their hotel rooms. They were getting the cast to, to do lip syncing. Is that that? They call it dub smash. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dub smash thing. And I then, saw Rob Lowe do a do a dub smash. Oh no, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. He did um, sound music. Ah, I think I saw a reference to that. Thank you. Now I now, now I know. Now you understand it. Now I understand. Because uh, you know, I I don't know about you, but I go to Comic Con. I was like. Other things happen in the world, right. like oh, we reach a deal with a there's a potential treaty with Iran. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, what a week to do that. <laughs> Obama should have had more respect. Exactly. Thanks, Obama. Uh, he should have been there in his Conan the Barbarian costume. <laughs> that image is stuck in my head. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, the CW with uh, would have been, no, it would have been funny. If President Obama showed up at Comic Con and he had like a little. Spider-Man, like he recreated the Todd Knopf cover of Spider-Man 583 and had like a little Spider-Man figure hanging on his shoulder taking his picture. That would have been, and people would have gone, oh, that's cool, that's funny. And they wouldn't have realized it was really President Obama. He wore an Obama mask. I don't think and he wore an Obama mask. <laughs> yeah, just like that year Cranston didn't walk around. Yes. Did, I mean, did you see this year, I can't remember what the name of the show is supposed to be, that's, that's what's funny. When a, when a promotion... Does the right thing and the wrong thing. There was a bunch of guys in Ron Perlman masks as judges walking around. Oh, it was the freakiest thing, and yeah. I got I got trapped in an he, elevator. So Ron Perlman was this year's Wilfred, yes, uh, <laughs> and or last year's Constantine. Because, yes, you know because Constantines were everywhere. But uh, yeah, I got trapped in an elevator with uh, four of the Ron Perlmans, ah. and it was a really awkward. Yeah. Not as awkward as the eight Outlanders that I was in, because wow. you don't know what's going going to break out in the. There was a woman with a bagpipe. I swear, I was terrified that the bagpipes were going to start. What's the deal with the floors? You, you mentioned before the ninth art, which made me think. What's the deal with the fifth element? I saw more fifth element cosplay this year than than ever before. Is there like some thirtieth anniversary DVD of or whatever? However long they no, I just think was? I've seen a lot of fit when you talk about because I don't think I saw as much cosplay this year as I have in years past of fifth element or in general. In general, okay. But I've all. But Fifth Element is always one I see. Uh, Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just a cheap. I you know, it is a cheap costume. I mean, if you get my meaning. Uh, <laughs> Lilo, is that, yes. is that her name? Uh, uh, or Lila? Someone's screaming at the podcast right now because there it is. It's one of those movies that oh, it's on my list, but I missed it in the theaters, and I never have caught up. Caught up. Well, it's one of those movies when you watch it, it's like you're going. This is. I don't know if this is a actual like. 
Metal Hurlant comic strip that they based this on, or they just took all the ideas from every other. I mean, it's got a very like heavy metal. It feels very Mobius. kind of vibe and Mobius, but it's like I really don't know if they just ripped every. I, it's like one of those questions I never had answered: if they just ripped everybody off, or if I think it was a ripoff. It was a ripoff. I mean, Luc Besson. It was Luc Besson. Right, I mean, it was know. interesting, but yes, it would. But it did feel like there was a, a lot of homage. Yeah, there's a lot. I, you know, that's that. But it is one to see a lot of cosplay. I didn't see. You know, speaking of Zack Snyder, the last few years I've seen a lot of Sucker Punch, but I don't think I really saw that this year. Right. Most of what I saw was, was clever mashup stuff. People a lot of mashup. Sure, you know, which I think is interesting that cosplay has moved to this to this level of of it is this extra layer of creativity. How can they combine the elements of different right. kinds of fandoms? So, <clears throat> not interesting. Well, we can we can turn away because we made it back safely, unless. Was there a high point of Comic-Con that we did not cover for you? Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Eisner Awards a bit. Because this was... I've sat through the ceremony a lot, but there is something that's a little more interesting when... Again, I had more familiarity, for obvious reasons, with the material than ever yeah. before. And there's some really great... But, but there were some really great moments that I don't know if people saw. But one was, you know, the, um, the creators of, of Lumberjanes... Winning yeah. for first, they won for best like teenage series, and then for best new series, and it was like, and they were so emotional and so overwhelmed. Noelle Stevenson, the first, yeah, Noel Stevenson and, uh, and 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 Shannon. I don't remember Shannon's last name. Oh, this is horrible. Um, but um, that's why I didn't go for names. <laughs> but uh, but the, the, I love their work dearly, and they. Uh, but it was they were very emotional. But then the second time was like, oh my god, like. Like, you know, and there weren't too many awards where someone came back a second time. So it was just like, it was, it just was so, uh, you know, just a real powerful moment. But as a, you know, as a 70s kid, the other cool thing, and these were awards that I wasn't part of. Um, Don McGregor, and it's funny, I have to like ask Jackie, like, who picks the Bill, we didn't pick the Bill Finger Award, but I guess they probably have a panel of actually writers and things. I believe Mark Vanier has something to do with it. Yes, I think there, there's a, there's yeah. a uh, you know, yeah, and, well, he presents it, and so, so I presume he has more to do with it, and there's also like the humanitarian, so there's different committees the or Bob people. Clampett, the Bob Clampett Humanitarian, which we uh, Bill part, Morrison won. Right. We uh, made, Bill and his wife, rather. Right. Uh, we, we were part of the Hall of Fame selections and nominations, but not these other ones. Don McGregor, who, you know, again, when I was, you know, 12 years old in the 70s and reading Marvel Comics, and he's writing, um, uh, you know, Black Panther, uh, you know, and other other books for Marvel, and you know this, you know, and I mean, and everything is so, you've got these, like, 70s guys who are so, you know, um, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's political, but they're sort of, you know, liberal and open-minded, and they're just trying, you know, Jim Starlin and Steve Gerber and all these guys writing all this stuff. And Don McGregor, you know, and it was still like that House of Ideas thing of, you know, Stan Lee or Roy Thomas following the, the, yeah. the footsteps of Stan Lee and the other editors. You know, everyone, Dandy Don McGregor, everybody had the names. And yeah. there were a lot of, you know, things in letter columns and Foom, and you got to sort of know these guys a bit. Maybe uh, Friends of Old friends, Marvel, yes. for any who don't know. I think there's some Foom. around here somewhere. You have issues of Foom here? Oh, I, yeah, I've bought like three Foom collections in the last year. And I still haven't figured out what to do with them. I think it's because I want to read them first before I sell them. But, <laughs> but I, but you I have that right. I, I, love, I love Foom. Um, but, you know, and then he went on to do like Detectives Inc. with um, Marshall Rogers yeah, and, uh, you know, and some great stuff with Gene Colan, Nathaniel Dusk. Um, so Don McGregor is, is, you know, 
Yeah, not necessarily a household name, but, you know, again, a name I saw in the comics and was meaningful. I mean, he had the Black Panther go up against the Klan. I think Jonathan Ross made the joke that, you know, whether it's true it's a great or not, it's a great joke. When the Marvel editors came to him and said, Don, you need to put more white people in the Black Panther, he wrote a storyline with the Klan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was like this kick-ass stuff. And, you know, again, as you know, and you're 13 or 14 and your mind's getting blown by like, oh, my God, this is in a comic book. They're talking about racism and all this, you know, stuff. I think, I mean, that's the thing that's amazing to me about well, you read yeah. the 70s and I think I was just commenting about that somebody else of uh, how bold yeah they were in a way you just because they were you, doing I mean at Marvel often don't say I guess because maybe nobody was paying attention it was part of it they were all their own editors even though they were editor in chief pretty much every, most of the writers were their own editors and but, but, but Don got up there and took the award and it was all, and it was again a very emotional moment because it was you know because it, it, you could see it meant something to him, and it's the Bill Finger Award for Writing Excellence, you know, which you know they deliberately named after Bill Finger because he's the guy who really got the the short end of the stick and the yeah. whole and, and you know the the unspoken, um, you know, basically DC can't legally say he co-created Batman is really what it what it what it comes down to. Right, and we've got um, uh, again on Pamela Panda from WonderCon last year. There was a little statement from uh, Fingers. Granddaughter, I yes. think, is the one who's really been trying in the last year or two to. But you know, but there's again, there's there's sort of ironclad, you know, contracts with, um, you know, with um, with the Bob Kane estate, with, with yeah. Bob, yeah, I mean, and they're you know, um, but what they've been trying to do is they give him credit for the stories he wrote, so they can yeah. say you know, Bat- Detective Twenty Seven, written by Bell- Bill Bill Finger, Finger. Yeah. and they did that last year when they did that Detective Twenty Seven promotional. I comic, remember that, yeah, and yeah. Bill Finger got a cover credit as a writer. Um, but even Don McGregor said, you know, and when I, they told me I was getting this award, you know, I did some more research into it, and boy, did, you know, Bob Kane screw this guy, <laughs> you know, and it's, and, it, and it's like, and it, it, it's, you know, it, it's, you know, you know, again, what you were saying about Stan, what, you know, uh, Stan Lee, and, 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 and the, um, you know, and when, you know, you want to give credit to, you know, Len Wein for Wolverine and the new X-Men, it's like, it's so, it, it, it feels so... And, you know, when you really go, there's people, there's creators, you know, uh, that these things would not exist without this person's participation. Yeah. And even the shows, you know, there's the whole thing about, you know, Wally Wood, I mean, you know, Wally Wood, what did he bring to Daredevil exactly? At least the red costume and certain other elements. You know, it's like even these acknowledgments that they're doing at the end of some of these TV shows. But, you know, but, but Bill Finger... I Fender, find that thrilling. Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I love seeing it for people who care. Right. And I mean, a lot of people don't. And that's okay, yeah. but but to see that, especially on the Marvel movies, seeing new creators getting credit for for right. the stuff that they've done. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, and I mean yeah, Scott Lang, you know, uh, Ant Man is you know is um, a you know, David Michelinie, you know, creation out of um, yeah Avengers, and then they did some spin off stories, and but you know it was really taken on a, a life of its own. But you know, but just you know, Bill, you know, you want someone like Bill Finger to really get that that that, that credit, and you know, you know, again, I don't know if a lot of people saw. Uh, apparently, there was some sort of streaming with the with the awards. I don't know if people saw it, but um, but you know, Don McGregor was again powerful. So those were the kinds of things that were. You yeah. know, we we tried to get into one. We only tried to get into one panel, which was Ali Brosh, who wrote um, and drew Hyperbole and a Half, which is more like a quote unquote mainstream graphic novel. I just saw that uh, showcased at Earth Two. It's one, America, it's yeah, one my, you know, you well, if you know, you ask, you ask every year. You know, we can say you know about about you know Susan. 
uh, and what she's been reading. That's certainly one of the books. And so we wanted to see Ali Brosh. And normally, like I say, we go to something that's kind of eclectic. It's someone who's a little bit off the beaten path, not expecting that to be yeah. the overcrowded panel. Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, or unfortunately, they get Felicia Day to interview her. So now it's a Felicia Day panel. So we show up a half hour in advance. There's already a huge line, and they let 20 people in and go, oh, sorry, all the seats are taken because people have probably been waiting in yeah, that, all day. In, in that, you know. Uh, the Hall H effect, yeah. The Hall H effect on room 23, you know. It just, yeah. it's, it's, and that's sort of just the thing of like, okay, that was it. And so then we then, and then we then we left the con. <laughs> that was our, that was the, we were gonna, that was going to be our, the last thing we did was that panel. And Which, we, by the way, I've got to say, um, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to call out. I, I did look today and disappointed that you uh, you were sold out of copies of Fun Home. Which I believe had been a Susan recommendation in a car yes. cast like three or oh four my years gosh. ago. Now oh, Tony Award winning musical. Yes. And I'd been determined I was not gonna buy it anywhere else because I knew Oh that Susan, God, she's gonna kill me. Uh, I'm a dead man she, now. No, she didn't listen to it. It's all right. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> she never listens she's to it. She's catching up on them. Oh, well, she'll hear this by <laughs> 2020. <laughs> we'll have the and I swear by then you'll have it in stock and I'll be able to buy it. We, you know, it's possible we moved a bunch to North, because I know there was a class this summer that was teaching it, so oh. sometimes we might have shifted stuff. Well, then, if it's for educational purposes, I understand. But I do think there was a, um, and I don't want to blame anybody else, but yes, I, I remember going to do a reorder a couple weeks ago, but I may have not. Well, it's probably been a rush. I mean, especially yeah. here in L.A., I know what happens when Tony was. You know, Tony's get uh, yeah, no, awarded I, it, people go, go for whatever that source material is. So. It's it's a but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a great book. Yeah. So then let us move forward. Highlights of the year as a retailer. Where do you think the uh, where it, things have been? You know, it's it's getting wider, and you know what what people are buying and reading is just keeps getting wider and deeper. You know, it really is sort of the long tail. Um, I don't know if you've ever read that book, uh, you know, but it was based on a Wired article that was basically about a digital jukebox that went into a bar. Uh, I know it sounds like, it's, it sounds like a I'm joke. I'm waiting for the punchline. No, no, they installed a digital jukebox. and Because a digital jukebox, unlike a regular jukebox, can have an infinite number of songs on sure. it. Sure. And what they discovered is, you know, and, it was, you know, it's, and it's, you know, it's software, it's technology, it's, it's downloading songs from a satellite. Right. The more songs they offered, the more songs were bought. So... Any song that they added, so there was like a, so the long tail was the graph. You know, let's say it was ta- Taylor Swift is the top song, but every time, you know, but the, the I'm, I'm drawing a graph with my fingers, but the long tail is almost like the back of a dinosaur is it starts at the top, but like a, you know, XY axis graph, it kind of goes down and then just peters off infinitely, but never right, gets, never, never hits never zero. Hit zero. Because whatever they add, somebody buys, and 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 that yeah. was like a big retail paradigm that people were talking about six or eight, ten years ago. And Amazon's an example of that. Amazon stocks everything, and they get orders for everything. You know, presumably uh, to to some extent, whether it's economic or not. But that's the model they're working on. And the comic shop is the same thing. Each day, and today was a good example because this happened a few times. There's you know there's there, there may only be one or two people who want. You know, certain books from certain publishers. There are certain lines we don't. I can't. You know, you know, maybe Xenoscope or certain lines I cannot carry. You know, some publish, some stores do great with them. 
I don't have a big walk-in. I've tried carrying like a full line of Zenoscope, and then it doesn't sell. So then I, I, I try and specialize, and I do subscription orders and stuff like that. But those the subscription orders are the long tail. There's always somebody ordering yeah, yeah, yeah. these these kinds of things, and I think we're seeing more of that. We're seeing you know certain you know DC and we're selling more comics, but some titles that used to sell a lot more are selling less. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that the the the, the it's it's getting well, it's diffused. diffused. I mean, yeah. you know, we we ran the uh, article a couple weeks ago when the trucks broke down from Northern California. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ryan Higgins from Comics Conspiracy, who also runs Hi, a Ryan. podcast. Uh, I don't know if he listens to us, but oh. yes, right, no, he does. I, he does. I'm sure he does uh, because he senses I'm, I'm mentioning him. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got. Ryan says, "No, I mean we 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 talked. It was very you know." But one of the things he said that I'd never thought of, but of course, I mean, it's what we see in television as well. Is that it used to be. Like, why you could do, like, even Wednesday morning delivery of your books and have them out on Wednesday morning mm-hmm. was because it, you were selling a million copies of any of a, of a given title, but there were only 100 books total. Yeah. And now it takes as much to say, you know, you've got a 1,000 different, so many publishers cropping up right and left, and it mm-hmm. takes as much time right. to log the book that sells one, the indie... That's what I always say. Yeah, it takes me as many. T- it takes me as much time to order one copy as to order a hundred copies. Yeah. You know, um, and similarly, you know, it takes me as much time to to list a, a hundred dollar comic on eBay as a dollar comic. So I want to list more hundred dollar comics, you know, that right. kind of thing. And I want to sell more comics that sell a lot. But you have to offer all these different things. And but you know, but the good news is, and, we, and, and in our retailer programming, some of the things we talked about, we always. Pretty much every year, talking about other ways to expand, you know, the shop experience with different types of merchandise. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about back issues this year as a category that's really on on the rise. Is and it again? Yeah, and I think it's a reaction to, um, I mean, you know, to digital. You know, in the sense of, I think people consume a lot more comics. You know, whether they're pirating them or not, but I think people consume a lot digitally, but still want the tactile experience or still want the collecting experience, and you can maximize that. Either by again investing in valuable comics, having the fun of putting together a run. You know, uh, one of my longtime customers came in today and said he finally finished his Hulk, you know, collection. So this is a guy who's got like from you know first mm-hmm. you know first six issues and then one hundred two to you know probably whatever. I'm sure his cutoff was probably right before you know uh, you know the nineties. You know, Heroes Reborn. Oh, I say Planet Hulk because if you ended on Planet Hulk. That's a good place to stop too. It's, yeah. a, it's a fantastic place. Yeah. To, because but I don't know. Yeah, but I, but I presume he didn't do the renumber anyway. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, but people. <laughs> but but that that's a thing that people do. And dollar comics. We have people coming in for dollar comics, and we have our dollar comic days and our and our sales and stuff. And just, and people like having comics. Um, there's still something about comics that is the 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 the, the sensory you know uh, you know experience, and people like to. Look at them and flip through them, and I don't think it's just about. I think there's something about comics that is not just um, the digestion of content. So I think there's a feeling. There's a feeling, and I, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm sure. I, interestingly, I know that there are people that come to it as adults. Yes, and did not read them as kids. Right, and they're probably not having the same feeling that we have. Is I think a lot of people like to go. Well, like if they stumble, oh, you read comics. Um, you know, I remember. I remember getting this. There's a right. there is a very strong nostalgia factor 
which probably people in their twenties and thirties, you know, may not have, unless they had somebody who took but, them. But they get to excited. The shop. But the one, the, but again, because the movies are playing with the con- even if you're coming to the Avengers yeah. and things through the movies, they play with all that continuity, so they get excited about. Yeah. They get excited about the history. I mean, I have you know again young employees, young customers who they go. Wow, I found this comic. I never knew Spider-Man. You know, it's a Marvel team-up comic. I mean, to us, Spider-Man met somebody different every freaking month. I mean, it was yeah. no big deal. You know, he met the Beast, and then he met, you know, Moondragon, you know, or whatever. Well, I mean, for was, God's sake, delve into Brave and the Bold. The brave, right. Uh, right. <laughs> but, but, but I see, you know, a 25-year-old guy get excited because he put Spider-Man and Thor. Like, how how are they getting together? What what could possibly bring Spider Man and Thor together? And, you know, and, I, and I go, that's really cool because you know what? And here's the thing: so far, I mean, Civil War notwithstanding, he hasn't seen that in a movie yet. So Spider Man yeah. and Thor is really cool. Plus, in comic, I don't think modern comics have they've lost that. That's a good point. You don't see, yeah, even when Straczynski was well, I don't know if he was writing both at the same time, but it's like you didn't see Spider Man and, and and you don't see Spider Man and Thor a lot. But, but I mean, even in general, just the idea of those random teams right, right, that yeah. meant nothing I'm using other that than Sp- minus Spider Man right. and Thor. I mean, no, they tried it with Avenging Spider Man. That was supposed to be like the new team up book, but it didn't really right. have, you that. have Guardians of the Galaxy team up, and yeah, and they're really twisting very hard to make that work. Yeah, you know, because it's not like they're already a team that doesn't lend itself right. to that. But to think back, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I mean, it just doesn't. You're, you're yeah. twisting the head. Gamora. Uh, John Lehman wrote yeah. uh, Gamora and She Hulk. It was a funny story, but it was a it was a big stretch to justify why Gamora right. was on Earth. Right. Um, but you think back to things like Marvel Team Up, which, by the way, people are fantastic. And I guess there were, I bet there were a lot of green jokes. There were, and everybody's confusing the two of them. Oh, that's funny. That's because okay. they're green girls. You know, oh, Landon's a great writer and, and friend of the podcast. I know he does. Yes. Like yeah. Oh, no, I wasn't. Gonna, I mean, it, no, 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 no. Obviously, no, that was the premise of like uh, what happens when you throw those two. Yeah, together. and that, 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 that cops were searching for Gamora, and they kept thinking she was it was she even though they're different sizes. So. And, and one of the other things, and I, I, I have to be careful because I don't know if it's fully, you know, I have my own Comic-Con teaser, um, but Comics Pro, the retail organization uh, that I'm part of, we've been working to try, you know, to try and come up with something, and I think we're, it, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, it looks that way, but something that's in the vein of, you know, how there's Record Store Day, you know the the other the, you yeah. know where you know where they have special limited edition items and you know and, and, and certain you know vinyl you know where it's like vinyl and it's basically again to get people focused on the local stores and the independently owned stores and most comic book stores are independently owned yeah but so is, isn't it already free comic book day but for that 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 that's like the newbies I mean free comic book day I think primarily is sharing our our culture yeah. with with new people or yeah. you know, get or or you know. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, obviously we do get fan, you know regular customers and things, um, but this would be one that would probably just sort of again more an idea to sort of again remind people about the you know, and again we can't have two you know in, in, you know can't have two events in a year. Oh no, I would love to. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the justification. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's certainly one of the questions that comes up. But we're but we're, but we're at, at at work on a, a kind of local comic shop event that would you know maybe bring some specialty. Uh, type items and things. So, all right, we'll take that. We'll take that. What, what are you looking forward to in the next year? Um, What's got you most excited? Trying to. I mean, well, I'm, I'm really digging Secret Wars. I have to say that as a as as an you know, I, I get jaded, but but this has been a really good event. Um, 
you know, and so it makes you know uh, makes me curious where everything's going. You know, and I'm talking about the main series. I mean, there are different ones of the miniseries that are kind yeah. of cool, but I think, um, but but I really like that I can recommend and read just the main series and, and get value. You know, get. Value. I think that is true, as opposed to many Marvel. And I feel even I feel even Hickman with Infinity. I felt like Infinity really was. Design where you, if you weren't reading Avengers and New Avengers with Infinity, it didn't really make sense. So um, you know, and even they collected it that way with all the the Avengers chapters with the Infinity chapters. Yeah. So so, but but this is much more straightforward. So it's like really, it, it's looking forward to you know, you know, again, what's going to be that thing that I ha- that I hadn't read that that I'm that I'm going to fall in love with. Um, but also, just you know, again, we're in a. I think we're in a time where the the, the, the characters and the, the the worlds are changing. Marvel's on the verge of doing something really, you know, big and crazy. Maybe or maybe not. Maybe it's just going to be status quo. I don't know. But it does seem it's like the first really major shakeup for the Marvel universe. It does feel that way. It feels very. Um, well, it feels very alternative. Yeah. I, you know that uh, because I, I ran. Um, oh shoot! What? Oh well, the the. Uh, Blade of the Hunted, which you talk about again, tying in um, that perfect example. One of the things that came out of Comic-Con was Wesley Snipes claiming he'd been talking to to Marvel about about reprising the role of Blade. So, gee, what happens three days after he says that? They announce they've got this series in which turns out Blade has a teenage daughter in Oregon. (laughs) And so, you know, there is a perfect way to do it to bring Wesley Snipes back twenty years older, right, and acknowledge time right. passed. And okay, or to not have to have Wesley Snipes if that's their decision too. <laughs> I don't know how difficult he is at this right. point. We've well, like I mean, been humbled by prison time, but, but generational. You know, look, it, it's. It, I mean, the generational stuff is always the stuff that trips up the continuity because that says time has passed. Yeah, you know, if Blade has a. You know, has a has a teenage daughter. That means X number of years of has, has right. passed. If if Dick Grayson, you know, that's why Dan DiDio seemed to always be targeting Dick Grayson because Dick Grayson is the clock of the DC universe. Dick Grayson. Well, I mean, no, it's true. He's, it's true. If he starts as at best a ten year old boy, I mean, although arguably, I think most would probably say he, he was Robin was 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 probably closer to twelve. But if you start him as a ten year old boy, but Damien is ten, and Damien's ten. I know, which I think that was just to you know. Um, but Damien is even drawn kind of well, you know. So, but but from ten to whatever, ten to whatever age Dick Grayson is, and you know, and and he, and he seems to be pushing thirty, kind of sets the the um, the DC, you know, the, the sort of DC universe. Well, and, and for Earth two, has those have those experiments work? Where you've got, <laughs> I mean, to, because you, you know, Batgirl. They, uh, the joke is, it's called the Batgirlization of the DCU on that side, yeah. where you have uh, Babs Tar drawing. Right. Uh, Batgirl, so it's, it, it, it looks more like a book that maybe uh, Boom was putting out for for young women, right. uh, or Image was. Um, you've got uh, well, Bizarro and Batmite coming, uh, came out, you know, interesting, like humor books suddenly. It feels like no, like I picked up from your Saturday March Manhunter number two, and I loved the first issue, mainly because I went, it's only going to work as a Martian Manhunter story. Right, like if it ties into a larger continuity, I'm not going to be happy. But when I was a kid, I didn't need that larger continuity. I was right. re- re- reading that. So has that been successful? That seems to be what Marvel's going to do. A lot of those series coming that they've announced seem like that's in its own little world. 
literally in the case of Spider-Gwen. But well, again, as, as you go far, as I say, the far and wide thing, you sort of need that because you need people to be able to feel they can pick up Ms. Marvel and not read every Avengers book. Or yeah. that they can read Batgirl and not have to read Batman, Detective, and Damien, and every and everything. Oh, by the way, that's a good book. Damien, Son, and Batman. Robin, they're, they're, Son, and Batman. It's, it's, not, it's not a question. Yeah, right. I mean, it's right. not a question of whether the... the, the, the it, but it's, it's people that... You know, they used to say this years ago. Everyone says, oh, event fatigue, event fatigue. It's not event fatigue. It's it's people want... If they're going to pay their, you know... Anywhere now from two ninety nine to four ninety nine to sometimes more for the comic. I think the thing you hate the most. It's different. Again, when I was a kid, you got a little editor's note that would say like you know, but it was it was like a back issue thing. It was going yeah. for more on this character or villain. Right. Go look back at these issues. Yeah. That didn't mean you had a comp- that that made you feel what you were reading was part of this larger whole in a good way. Yeah. I think what people don't like is when they sit down to read a comic. I mean, because the question I got like three times in the last three weeks, and I think this sums it up, and this has been about um, uh, trade paperbacks and series and different things. People say, if I buy this, am I going to have to read something else to understand it? And I think that's, that's the key. And I think that's why they do Batgirl the way they do Batgirl and Ms. Marvel the way they do Ms. Marvel. And... Even Amazing Spider-Man, the way Dan Slott's been, you know, you could, if you're, you know, if, if you love Spider-Man and you just read Amazing Spider-Man, you're getting a great, you've been getting a great story from superior to amazing to right. whatever. Right, but you can also pick up an issue and get a sense. I mean, I did that experiment yeah. at the worst of the new 52, and at, at the, I'll say, the worst of Hickman, when things were so complicated yeah. in the midst of, I, I guess it was, what was the Infinity? Infinity, and even the stuff leading up to Secret Wars was also integrated, and also all the covers look the same. That's what I always hate, too, when I sort yeah. of go, I... But, but what I discovered... It's a bunch of silhouetted heroes standing against a star field. Did I read this? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it was interesting, but in Infinity, I could read any order. I could pick up any issue, because I, I, I fall behind, and I knew I yeah, was. Yeah. But I'd say, okay, I've got to catch up, so I'll read one. I would not be lost. I did feel oh, that's good. a little bit in the prelude up to Secret Wars that Hickman's stories kind of started turning in on themselves yes. where it was like, this is a small chapter. I don't know what happened before. I don't know how they got on this rock in the middle yeah. of space. Um, so that was confusing. But, but you read that... Why with, Black Panther hates the Mariner so much? Right. And even if... But if I read them out of order, and even if I would go back and read a book in which I already knew the resolution because I'd read the story yeah. before, it was still really good. I didn't find the same thing on New 52. If I read something out of order, the revelation of the mystery itself wouldn't have been set, wasn't set up as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I think that was one of the, I think it's a viable critique of the New 52 that at a certain point, I think things didn't feel, things felt part of this unifying thing, but, you know, that it was going for, like, this tone, this common tone. I think that, and yeah. I think that's what they tried to break by doing these other yeah. books with Batmite and Bizarro and, and um, Martian Manhunter, yeah. is to sort of go, oh, we can have, I think that's the phrase they use, different tonalities. That's what divergence was, was supposed to be. And I, so I think that's a good thing, because I think that's what we were hearing, and I think that's what they were hearing, is it's all so dark. It's all so dark, and it seems also tied together that I can't just enjoy the series I want to enjoy. Well, then we can talk about, by the way, of relaunch there, just because it's interesting to talk about Old Garden. I was talking about this with 
your employees added to earlier tonight. They're so good. They are. I They're sp- great. I, I speak well of them. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that one of the things we said... Uh, oh, the joke was uh, Ashley, I guess. Ashley. Uh, who, who writes for Top Cow says... Said, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the day that one of the companies puts me up at Comic-Con. And I said, not to destroy your spirit, but I've waited for that for like 16, 17 years. just hasn't happened. But then we, the joke we said back was, I, I can't remember if it was ben, Bendis who said it, or maybe it was Mark Schultz, uh, that, that felt that it used to be that a creator would have like a 10-year, a good 10-year run of like people really... Liked them. You think about the DC people like Elliot S. Magan, um, Martin Pasco. They had about ten years where they were really E. Nelson Brubel. They were all really running right. stuff. Roy was probably Roy Thomas was at its height for about ten yeah. years. But I thought Bendis has actually held on for like seventeen or eighteen years in popularity. And where I'm coming back around to is right before Comic Con, DC announced in their different tonalities bringing back. Um, Metal Men and Swamp Thing by Len Wein. Mm-hmm. And Len saying that the reason he got Swamp Thing as a revival was because of his work on Convergence. Really well, yeah. Which was, it was a great, that yeah. was one of the best out of those. Yeah. And he's got Kelly Jones who looks kind of in style like Bernie Wrightson. You've got Marv Wolfman returning to write Raven, who's mm-hmm. been horribly mishandled in the new 52. So relaunching there. Right. Uh, I got a chance to run into Jimmy. I ran into Jimmy Palmiotti everywhere I went. Like you was talking about seeing Dave Gibbons, he's I, everywhere. Yeah, Jimmy Palmiotti. I never met him. We're friends on Facebook, and I finally walked up to him and Amanda Connor and said, "We're friends on Facebook. We've talked about <laughs> you on the podcast. You know, you've even shouted out yeah. that we said nice things about you. Hi, this is who I am. Yeah. You know." Um, how there's Starfire because on Facebook Jimmy said give Starfire a chance and their revival of Starfire yeah. was like oh I'm not nearly as irritated by this one uh, in fact really liked it as opposed to what had been going on in the Red Hood Outlaws, the Outlaws. Yeah. Um, so Marv's doing Raven uh, Jerry Conway is back reviving Firestorm Jerry's a, Jerry Jerry's a really nice man I mean it's it's kind of interesting to, to you know because I, I I mean my impression was as much as you know I mean comics weren't interesting. To him anymore, so it was kind of interesting to see. Oh, Jerry Conway writing Spider-Man again, and now DC making overtures, and Jerry Conway writing Firestorm. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, it's just interesting. That, I mean, it returned back to these old guard because you know, in the case of Swamp Thing, that's Len's creation, right. uh, new artist. Metal Man, he said, I didn't get a chance to talk. He was at the Pro Fan Tribute match, but he really, you know, he kind of rolls up and settles down, says hello to his old friends. Right. And it's out once it's over. You know? And who's do- and who's writing Metal Men? No, Len is writing Metal Men. Len's doing Metal. Oh, that I didn't know. I knew Len was doing Swamp Thing. I didn't. Yeah, he's doing two books. So he wow. and he said, "I've always wanted to get my hands on the Metal Men," and right. I thought, "Man, they've been, uh, you know, they've been bobbled many times." Uh, Aaron Lepresti, I think, is doing Metamorphose. So it's it's a bunch of titles of characters that I've really like. Don't mess this up because I love the '60s version so much, and right. nobody has quite gotten. Although the Metal Man had a great uh, '70s, Archie right. Goodwin and, and Walt Simonson, wasn't it? I think Pasco, Pasco and Walt Simonson. I know it was Walt Simonson on, right. on, on uh, yeah. Metal Man, but uh, and then Joe Staten, I think, took a. But well, you know, here's what I think though. But and when they revived those books in the '70s, again, they had not. You know, I think 
Middleman may have had some Raven Bold appearances or something. Yeah. But those were foreign characters for the most part, you know? I mean, you didn't really see the, you didn't really see them. Yeah. Um, and so it, it only, uh, I mean, it kind of, so I think it's a similar thing now, which is, hey, we have these great properties. And obviously, and I'm not questioning, you know, DC's yeah. motives, but obviously there is a, a IP motive of getting these characters out there. You know, Jeff Johns did that issue of Justice League that was sort of a redo, you know, it was a Justice League Zero, but it was focused on on, on the Metal Men. Um, him and, oh, yeah. You know, and it was basically an origin, because then he introduced them in, 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 into a storyline. And it's like, okay, this it's like a, a little Bible here for, for you know, for... Well, the, I know Warner had supposedly been working on that, so that is a question, maybe we'll wrap up, because it is getting late, but say... Yeah. As the comic book guy from the '90s, um, <laughs> the studio, what property is out there that you would that there isn't buzz, but that you think should be adapted to another medium? Oh man, that that's. Um... And I'll say I'll say television as well because I think that's becoming more and more viable. Obviously, as CW's. Success. Well, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, in 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 terms of in terms of like sort of superhero things, I think there's. I mean, and I know that Jonathan, was Jonathan Lethem who did a kind of meta retake on it, but one of my favorite properties from when I was a kid was Omega the Unknown yeah, by Steve that. Gerber and Mary Screenis, and, um, and there was, you know, and, and that was this kid who had this totally weird backstory, winds up in Hell's Kitchen, so it could cross over with Daredevil um, on Netflix, and, uh, but he basically winds up having his own personal... Uh, like guardian angel superhero that seems to be from another planet, and it seems to be this kind of strong, silent Superman type. So a lot of it was, um, uh, you know, kind of Steve Gerber's a bit of his meditation on 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 on, on, on superhero comics, um, and and again, the, you know, so I think there's, I think that's like kind of an un, you know, and, and and the story was never really finished. So I think it's the kind of thing. That I mean, they did do a finale to Omega, but it never it was fully. Yeah, yeah, it was never fully satisfying. So that's kind of like there's a lot. So there seems to be a richness there that maybe you know, again, especially in terms of a TV show, it's got mystery. It's got you know, yeah. you know, it's got why does this kid? You know, what what's all this going on? And it's and since there really isn't an answer, I don't want to say it can't disappoint, but it can't conflict. You know, you can't go. That's not right because they never really, we never really got the full, yeah, yeah. full, full answer, or really a, a, a yeah. you know. But it's it's a cool kind of science fiction superhero um, kind of series. But in terms of something more classic, you know, I mean, again, you know, something like you know, Moon Knight. And again, if when Warren Ellis did his last run of Moon Knight, it, it felt like a, a viable for the characters, like a, a a viability study, you know, if, <laughs> if, if you if you will. And you know what would make a great movie someday? The Fantastic Four. Someday. 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 We I always say, hope. look, we say until <laughs> July, uh, the August, whenever it comes out, uh, you know, that it, it, it's possible it could be. I have not seen a thing that made me say, yeah. I still think the biggest bobble of that, regardless, is my own son's reaction to that poster. That my kids had no idea that there was another version coming. Yeah. They saw the movie poster. And even my daughter, who's 16 now, said they both looked at the thing and said, he's scary. 
He's not supposed to be scary. I don't want to see that thing. The thing, yeah. You know, that there's still... And I thought, well, that is a true uh, miscalculation. Again, they, they are sort of doing the thing of taking some of the, 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 the fun out of it. But, I mean, I, I, I joke, it just seems... Yes, it just seems... But that that is... You know, maybe that's the... the you know, that's what's got to be the... Um, 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 maybe that's got to be a TV series. Maybe that's the problem. Because the thing about the Fantastic Four, the thing about the Fantastic Four is, especially what Lee and Kirby were doing, they were great characters, but the draw, but the, the and the plots were driven by the these incredible. It was it was a throwback to, to Challengers and the Monster Comics. That it was the things they encountered. There's a mole man sending up monsters. There's a yeah. man from Atlantis with giant monsters. There's a lot of giant monsters in, in Fantastic Four. There's Doctor Doom who's going to throw all sorts of crazy yeah. things. Hey, suddenly we're back in old Egypt with Rama Tut. You know, it's like the craziest things happened to the Fantastic Four, and that's what it was. They were kind of passive characters, and then you know, sort of, and then don't get me started because we're trying to wrap this up. But then <laughs> you know, Warren Ellis. Reinterpreting the Fantastic Four for planetary and reinterpreting Challengers of the Unknown as planetary. I mean that idea of the of the investigators, all those kinds of things that are perfectly set up for. Well, for, for anybody well. Didn't somebody try circling around planetary a while ago? I, I think I think there have been options and things on it. I mean, again, it's kind of a tricky one because I mean, again, you know, you can yeah, it's. You have to have really smart showrunners to take what's there and plot it out. Because uh, yeah, I think because I think some of the things that were not so obvious to us as comic book readers will just because of the the vagaries of casting and things like that are going to be some of the twists will be completely obvious to to people in a TV show, mm-hmm. um, perhaps. But you know, but yeah, I would love to see a planetary TV series. I mean, I think those are three great. Characters. Well, I'll, you know, I'll throw that gauntlet down again. We've talked talked at dinner a few uh, weeks ago, I think it was, about how hard it is to write a regular column. We started the idea of, yeah. you, of you rewriting, uh, rereading planetary, uh, rereading planetary, and uh, I have them by my bed, ready to go. Like, all right, we'll go issue by I, issue. And there's a and the, the third man of that team is has more time on his hands now. So yes, it's it's on my list of the, the next thing you know I want to do, and it's always like, oh, I'm going to start that this week. Okay, okay. well, so you know, we're putting it on the carcass. <laughs> it's going to happen. We're going to get because I thought visiting planetary. I That's a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> So here we go. So let's, uh, as always, you're picking this up probably on iTunes or on Stitcher. Please rate us. Uh, please review us and tell your friends, assuming, as I'd like to, that you liked it. Uh, and so, or at least know you want to listen once a year for the CarCast for 2016. Although we've said we, we want to try to... Can we track way. that? Are there people who just do that? <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, now I've got a better tracking on this then. Um, uh, that we, we have talked about possibly trying to trying to make it happen a little more often, especially since Nate is down here as well. And um, so you find us there. On, you can also find us at www.fanboyplanet.com, where it's uh, put on a page where uh, if you cannot get yourself to Earth 2 or to a comic shop in your neighborhood and you heard us talk about something, that your only option is to go to Amazon. And I just say this because, again, every week, I don't know if you've caught this. I always say, support your your local sure. business first and foremost. I do hear that. And that's why I don't probably don't get many Amazon sales, honestly. But <laughs> it's like, uh, but because we feel strongly about that. They, we talk about this at dinner. People go to stores because it's something more than just uh, getting the books. It's about 
the camaraderie, just the the, the, the uh, environment of being there. If you can't, though, there's an Amazon link. Uh, also, there's a PayPal link if you'd like to help uh, support us in the ways of just paying for hosting uh, of the site and of the uh, podcast as well. Uh, and, of course, there's plenty of, of written content on www.fanboyplanet.com. Uh, you can, uh, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, once again, thanking Cardiangelo. Give us a, a, a I'm Cardiangelo for the night. I'm Cardiangelo. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm Derek McCoy, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com, and I'm reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you!